Hello and welcome to the next installment of the SUAS News Podcast Series where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I'm your program host, Patrick Egan, and as always, let's say hello, a warm welcome and hello to our co-host, Mr. Gene Robinson. We need a warm welcome because it is freezing in Texas. I don't get it. I don't either. Usually, anytime I've been in Texas, it's hot. Uh, it's freezing. Hmm. That's <laughs> Must be that global warming stuff. Probably. Um, anything uh, catch your attention this week in the news? As always, it's it's always kind of a um, mixed bag in the drone industry. Anything catch your attention, Gene? Yeah, you know, there's a lot more public safety recognition coming to bear, and I, which tickles me to death. I, you know, I, I think it's good for public safety to get the attention that they need, and using these things as life-saving tools. Um, I, I think we've kind of turned a corner that uh, the, the validity of these being used properly in professional hands is, you know, undeniable and kind of pleased with that. There have been several stories that uh, have caught my eye. Of course, I, I keep a pretty good eye on that side of it anyway. Mm. Yes, well, uh, I would agree with that. And some stuff, it's kind of a... I'm sure the same happens for you. Read the headlines. Oh, you know, drones are proving to be this, you know, uh, uh, indispensable tool for, you know, law enforcement, search and rescue. And you're like, uh, yeah, I've only been saying that now for how long have you been saying <laughs> 10 that? 10 years. Yes, so 15 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's kind of a, on one hand, you're like, uh, yeah, I was... I was yelling it from the mountaintops and no one was listening. But finally, it is happening and it is kind of uh, good to see that mature. And I, I am liking that. I will say, um, you know, I'm up here in Northern California. We got the car fire going. A little frustration. Uh, we were talking about this before the show went live. And we have some folks up there that are doing, um, that are just waiting to go in and, and doing some mapping. Um, and then a guy who's who's got some really cool new techniques he's using to do mapping in, let's say, internet-deprived areas. Um, so that's kind of cool, but they're, they're waiting to go in, and the news people are up there flying, and I, you know, I don't want to get into the visibility thing and yada, 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 but whatever. I've got you know a few other um, things that I'm paying attention to. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, you would be in that side of the country. Exactly. There's all kinds of stuff going on. The other thing I wanted to talk about, and I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, we're going to do the SUS News Small Unmanned Systems Business Expo. We're doing a pop-up roadshow expo in L.A. December 7th. It's the uh, One Day Drone Symposium and Pancake Breakfast. Have you have you seen that anywhere yet? Yeah, you know, I, I saw that, and of course, you know, it's uh, auspicious that it's on Pearl Harbor Day. So, uh, you know, I expect great things. <laughs> Somebody asked me this morning if there was, if I was trying to, uh, let's say, correlate a message between, you know, the smoking crater that is the commercial drone <laughs> industry and Pearl Harbor Day. Now, it just kind of fell that way. Um, I was supposed to go to China and, you know, other things. So that was just kind of the date that it fell on. But this ought to be pretty exciting, um, you know, one-day symposium. Only a couple of uh, 
I only want to do a couple of presentations, and then I'm I'm really kind of looking to do a roundtable discussion, which I think will be something new, uh, where we can, as a community, kind of develop the narrative for the next six to twelve months. And there's a lot to talk about with the FAA reauthorization, and uh, the winners and losers in that. So that should be a good program. And who doesn't like pancakes? You have to be pretty much un-American to dislike pancakes. Well, it depends on what kind of syrup you have on them, though. Uh, we're going to have that Canadian maple stuff. You know? <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, I'm just kidding. We're getting ours from Vermont, and it's going to be great. All right. Well, anyway, without too much uh, further ado, I want to bring on our guest. Today's podcast is Highways in the Sky, and it's kind of an interesting concept. And uh, today's guest is a senior research fellow at the Mercatus Center, Brent Skorup. Did I get that all correct, Brent, or did I massacre it? Uh, yeah, Mercatus Center at George Mason University, Brent Skorup. Thanks for having me. Well, hey, you know, uh, how could we not cover this subject? Because I, I think this subject, now I'm going to be honest with people right up front, I did not read the uh, entire paper. I, I read the sizzle on that, and I usually like to uh, be a little bit more informed on, on uh, the topics that we have on here. Although, I have been following the UTM, uh, the UAS, and the NAS efforts, both by NASA and um, some of these concepts and rollouts by other large tech companies. So I think I'm a little informed on the, the background of this, and I think that we could talk about this. And I also believe that Gene has also been following along with this for a little while. So I think it's going to be a, a good topic, and I'm interested to uh, get a little background on you, and then we can kind of dive into the uh, meat and potatoes, as it were, of this concept. So... Could you could you give us a brief bio and um, you know how you became interested in uh, this this airspace conundrum? Yeah, thank you. So um, again, I'm I'm a senior research fellow at the Mercatus Center at George Mason University. Uh, we're we're in Arlington, Virginia, right across the river from D.C. And uh, for the I'm an attorney by by training. But I've, I've been doing uh, the tech policy world uh, for six years now, and and most of my research in the past has been telecommunications, uh, spectrum, kind of tech tr policy generally. And you've seen, say, in the last decade, an interesting shift in, in tech policy, whereas tech policy used to mean information technology, Internet, broadband, media. Increasingly, tech policy is getting into all, all sorts of industries, um, transportation, obviously, healthcare, financial services, privacy, antitrust, it goes on. So, um, you know, as part of that shift, my, my research topics have, have shifted. I've been, I've been doing autonomous vehicles, self-driving cars, uh, last two years or so. And as part of that, I, I started getting in, interested in, in drone policy and in the subject of my paper, which is uh, passenger drones or uh, vertical takeoff and landing aircraft. Hmm. Well, yeah, you covered a lot of uh, territory there. Um, we could probably do a show on a lot of those topics if we were to parse that out. Spectrum is, is definitely something that's going to, I think, has kind of been, uh, that can has been kicked down the road when it comes to drones. So we, we might have to do something about that in the future. Um, 
you know, as I kind of discussed earlier, you know, there were there were some other large technology companies that were talking about kind of the same uh, subject or topic. Are you aware of them or that? I've seen I haven't seen anyone propose quite what I've laid out in my paper. This idea of the FA demarcating either. Uh, aerial corridors or or aerial tracks and and auctioning them off, um, but I have seen UTM re- related plans of of you know perhaps fixed corridors and, and that are dynamically shared with with a UTM system of some kind. Okay, well before we uh, I guess get into that and, and pick it apart, let's uh, so your your study um, you're you're uh, a proponent. Of uh, auctioning off the airspace, and and why why is that? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I uh, in my paper I, I proposed this. I mean, and I, I should say up front, you know, for when it comes to VTOL and, and air taxis, we're we're in, we're in the top of the first inning. I mean, it's, it's very early, and mm-hmm. in fact, I, I think I think my paper is the first academic paper, non-industry paper about. The air taxi industry. So it's early, you know. Th- these are all tentative, and, and it's it's just meant to uh, inform inform others of, of alternative uh, regulatory regimes out there. But so I, I wrote my paper in part by following um, what what NASA and, and the FAA plan for for uh, for, for drone traffic management uh, UTM um, and. In the, and there were some things that concerned me. For for instance, in in uh, earlier this year, I think it was in March, the FAA put out a, a a UTM report, UAS traffic management report, and and they said that with um, with their plans, it it could handle drone traffic, and I think people expect that some kind of drone UTM would also be applied to to VTOL later. They say that with with moderate amounts of drone traffic, the the system could work. But but then they say, um, which raises the question: What what about what if there's not moderate amounts of of traffic? What happens then? And the FAA says, uh, quote, they they may be required to provide demand management of airspace access, unquote. And so, so my fear is is that, and I, I'm a, I'm a somewhat of an optimist, I'm a cautious optimist about the VTOL and air taxi industry. Um, my fear is is that these this transportation sector does succeed, and and some of these companies have fairly ambitious plans. So, Volocopter and Uber, for instance, estimate that if if this industry, if this air taxi industry scales up, um, you could see vertiports, these VTOL airports in urban areas, handling hundreds of flights per hour. And so, the fact that the FAA doesn't have a plan yet about, about how 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 uh, how it could handle hundreds hundreds of flights per hour and and so and this is where my spectrum uh, writing and scholarship comes in so we, we do have kind of an analogous situation with spectrum where you have, you have multiple providers interested in service you have you have a federally controlled asset spectrum airspace um, and and uh, you need an allocation mechanism when when there's not enough to go around, and and for spectrum and all other federal federal assets like timberlands and and offshore 
wind energy sites and offshore oil sites uh, that's that's allocated via via auction right right well <clears throat> I think you bring up some good concerns I was just up at the uh, NASA UAMGC in Seattle and uh, there's lots of optimism in the in the room and amongst people like the Uber thinking that you know hey we're going to roll this out in a couple of years um you know, talking about some of these uh, flight ports that you just had mentioned and, and all of the other infrastructure being built and the flying taxis and, you know, and, and it's, it's very ambitious. And uh, even on the optimistic side, I think, you know, when we start talking about uh, certified systems carrying passengers, there's there's a lot of um, regulation or, or barriers to overcome. But one of them is going to be the airspace thing. And Yours, I noticed that we're talking about um, different altitudes for uh, your your concept for different, let's say, uh, distances. You know, which which is definitely one way to parse it out. However, um, you know, a lot of people are talking about this low altitude um, airspace thing and sharing it with drones and everything else, and even the UTM and. But when you start talking about hundreds of flights an hour and then you're talking about millions of drones and all the rest of this thing, this is an extremely uh, complex issue. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Gene? Yeah, I mean, and, and that's, that's uh, you know, part of, uh, you know, part of my concern is, is that the FAA and NASA seem to anticipate that there will be a single UTM system or, or perhaps a federated one that has to operate on uh, or interoperate on on regulated terms. I, I, with with all the different needs, you know, drones, delivery drones, VTOL aircraft, um, intercity VTOL aircraft. I, I it's just hard for me to to imagine how how that would work with with a single system. And, and so, uh, in my paper, is one way of, of having a federated system. Um, and and uh in a competitive system. Well, and it, and it is early, like you uh kind of prefaced in the beginning there. That it, it's very early um and we need to start talking about ideas. And Gene, did you uh, have a comment? I I, I can I, feel yeah, like I don't, you're... <laughs> yeah, uh, I I don't I don't see how now the idea of, you know, selling highways in the sky has some merit. I mean, as a pilot, I know what a Victor Airway is, and you know we adhere to those sort of things, and I, and I get that. Um, I think my prediction is is that if it's a UTM, it's going to be a UTM for the unmanned class only for quite some time. I don't think you'd see a federated system that included both manned and unmanned. Uh, I think the priority is going to uh, remain with the manned bias unfortunately you know that's the way it's going to be because safety being the 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 overarching theme in this thing they're going to want to make sure that uh the uh the the man side of it has controllers that are dedicated to dealing with them and them specifically and it is going to the anything that that uh, the unmanned aircraft use is going to have to defer to it no matter what mm. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would, uh, you know, I, I, that sounds sane to me. Um, I do think that, 
I mean, when you start talking about the, the numbers and the traffic that people are estimating for both the, let's say, UAM and the drone thing and, and, and all the rest of this, tons of uh, bandwidth, tons of computing power, um, especially when you start talking about manned aviation, where we're really, you know, the NAS now is, is like the safest airspace system in the world, safe as it's ever been, <clears throat> 10 to the minus 9, which is really like means uh, once and never uh, you're going to have an event happen. Uh, there's a lot to uh, overcome, let's say a lot of barriers to overcome. But I would agree, Gene, that uh, man is going to take, um, always take the front seat on, on that deal. So, Brent, you know, we, we were talking about low altitude, and I know that your paper, you, you're talking about uh, uh, different altitudes, and maybe you can kind of uh, elaborate on your theory there. Sure. Thank you. Um, so I, I demarcate what we might call air taxi airspace, and it, it's somewhat arbitrary, but there is some thought behind it, and I'll explain in a moment. But So I, I say about 200 feet above ground level up to 5,000 feet above ground level, and so that, that, that floor, 200 feet, is um, for various reasons that, that's that's where I said it, and, and that's because in in most in most areas um, above 200 feet, there, there's it's not frequent that you, you'll have buildings and, and other obstructions um, outside of urban areas, and uh, and also for for the foreseeable future, air taxis, VTOLs uh, are will be quite loud, and I, I don't think I think below 200 feet you you would have um, some serious noise concerns, and you would need a lot more local permission. Um, and also 200 feet, um, in talking with drone operators and drone companies, it, it, you know, obviously there's a lot of exceptions, but it sounds like most drone deliveries and, and drone operations will be below 200 feet. And uh, and so for all those reasons, I drew a 200 feet. And also because you, you, could, you could retrofit existing buildings you know, many many buildings or areas go go above 200 feet, and so you could retrofit those for vertiports. Um, on, on the on the ceiling, the 5,000 feet, I drew that. Um, I I just in my research, I was, I was looking at what people were anticipating for air taxi height, and and that that 5,000 feet comes from uh, the the FAA's um, commercial administrator of the New York State Drone Corridor Test. Um, that's the ceiling. He put on, and, and and he, along with others in the air, taxi, urban, urban air, transportation sector, estimate that a, a lot of the air taxi traffic will be 1,000 feet to uh, 3,000 feet above ground level. So, so that's kind of where I said it. Again, arbitrary, but there there is some thinking behind it. 200 feet all the way up to 5,000 feet above ground level. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and, and uh, you know, again, as you said in the beginning, you know, I mean, this is very early on, and if if really if you're uh, going to take, let's say, the Uber numbers at face value, where they are talking about these vertiports and you know hundreds, if not you know a thousand um, takeoffs and landings an hour, or what you know, moving four thousand people through there, uh, that's a lot of traffic. Um, you know, I'm a little. I don't know if I want to say cautiously optimistic or skeptical uh, to be able to get that kind of people through one of these vertiports, security, um, 
you know, move the aircraft through there, recharge, maintenance, service, and all the rest of that with no one getting hurt or blown off of the roof of the vertiport yep. is going to take uh, that. That's quite some some dance that needs to be choreographed. But you know, I'm not saying it's impossible. Um, you know, it it could be possible. Some people are talking. You know, the people that Uber have hired are super geniuses and can figure this all out. And maybe they can. I don't know. But uh, I do agree also with the noise thing. You know, people uh, even even we're hearing earlier reports back from Australia that uh, you know uh, Alphabet's doing burrito delivery. We were going to save the world, and I think we're on the first step here with the burritos. Um, some of the let's say people in close proximity are starting to complain about the noise, and I think mm-hmm. when you scale the drone up, I mean it's 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 uh, disc loading too. Uh, when you scale that up there's going to be more noise and you know, we already have ordinances and helicopters and people don't like it and things like that. So, you know, from uh, in your opinion, and I don't even know if it's in the paper here, but some of the cons, you know, you, you touched on noise. Do you think, what do you think about public acceptance? Do you think people are going, Oh, that's cool. Or, ah, geez, Louise, you know, this is a nuisance. Or did you talk to anybody about that? Yeah. I mean, so these, these are my impressions. I, I do, I do talk, to people about, I mean, this is, you know, my, most of my work doing, doing with telecom broadband spectrum, most people don't uh, care that much about it. I mean, it, it, uh, you, you need to be a specialist to appreciate it, but flying cars, people get excited about. And uh, it, it is, uh, it is, you know, it's something we've been promised for, for decades and it's never quite happened. Um, but, uh, but with, with all these technological changes, just battery improvements and, and ride sharing and, and networking, um, people are people are starting to dream big once again about this. And there are a lot of there are a lot of uh, issues to sort out aside from air traffic management, um, which you know is is already a, a massive obstacle. Um, but things like upgrading the electrical grid to to recharge you know batteries in in, in minutes, which uh, some of these companies anticipate, and just manufacturing. Most small aircraft companies do not have nearly the capacity to to, to manufacture um, aircraft at, at the numbers that are being estimated. So yeah, we, we've got ways to go. Like I said, we're we're in the top of the first, um, but I I do think it's important to start looking ahead and and, and thinking about uh, some some of these foreseeable issues. And and in my paper talks about just if this does succeed someday, whenever that is, 10 years, 20 years, uh, how, do, how, do we, how do we handle, how, how do regulators handle uh, the urban air traffic? Oh, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a sticky wicket. Now, you know, a couple of interesting side notes on that. You said, you know, we've been promised the flying car thing for decades. And I think the earliest one I found you know, and one of the popular mechanics or science or whatever it was from 19, the 1920s. And, uh, you know, oh, we're going to be in the flying car. This is going to be great, you know. So it has been a while. Yeah. The other one, yeah. that's interesting. Go ahead. Uh, so, yeah, I'll just say, I mean, just on the, on the on what, what other people think of this, I mean, it it, it is compelling. I mean, we are starting to get some signs of what what the cost would look like and, and what this will look like. And uh, they're already... Air taxi service with with helicopters in, in some cities. Uh, there, there's a there's a ride sharing company called Voom. I, I think they're an Airbus 
subsidiary that does ride sharing for helicopter air taxi rides in Sao Paulo. Uh, they started uh, in 2017. They had significant success in Sao Paulo, and they just opened up in Mexico City to do helicopter ride sharing. And and with ride sharing, you, you get you know a big cost benefit by sharing costs. Uh, mm-hmm. There's um, one of these electric VTOL companies, a European operator, last week um, estimated they they could do JFK to Manhattan in I think it was five minutes for thirty six dollars is what they say their introductory price would be. Wow, which that's good. Uh, yeah, I mean you know talk is cheap, of course. You know we'll we'll see what <laughs> what they do, um, but it it gives you just. Uh, the possibilities and just the magnitude of of what this represents if if we can get the policy right if we can um if the manufacturing and all the rest can come together well you know i i take a little exception there with the talk is cheap because here at the sus news podcast this talk is is priceless that's, yeah, that's right <laughs> <laughs> no the other uh thing that's kind of interesting is so i was watching that movie the other night bullet you know steve mcqueen and uh, so they're at the uh, airport SFO, and I see a sign behind Steve McQueen, and it says, SFO Helicopters. And I was like, yeah, that's right. There used to be a, um, you know, uh, a helicopter service out of SFO. I looked it up, and they had flights. You could fly from SFO to Berkeley, Oakland, uh, Sausalito, downtown uh, San Francisco, some other sites, blah blah blah. I'm not sure on all their different sites they had, but it was four four dollars and fifty cents for an adult and three Whoa. for a child. Hmm. And uh, they were unable to make that work. And then someone reminded me, oh well, they had a crash, and it's like, well, you know, certified aircraft crash too. So I don't know. Uh, you, you know, in 1968, you know, four dollars and fifty cents, you could probably get a, a hotel room in San Francisco. Um, you know, inflation right. has uh, kicked in a little bit, but it's been tried. You know, maybe the ride-sharing part of it would be the thing that that brings the cost down enough for it to work. You know, um, maybe. But I did want to roll back a little bit on, you know, you said you've done some stuff with the, the uh, driverless car thing, and I'm a, uh, I'm out here in Northern California, and I see the driverless cars, and I see them make, um, you know, let's say, lane changes and whatnot that could be construed as, uh, let's say, not within the, the law or whatever. So, you know, one thing with the driverless car thing and the parallel on that is that's kind of like a 2D environment. And, you know, there's a lot of issues with just bringing those out on the road. Are you seeing any uh, parallels, or is this just a totally different kettle of fish? Yeah, so, you know, there there are certainly um, technological complexities about being in the air. But in in some ways, it it seems to me that the autonomous technology has a better chance with uh, in the air, which is largely clear most of the time, um, and I, I suspect that a fixed route plan. I I feel that, that might be inevitable, just to give certainty to other users of airspace and and to air traffic control and and to regulators, just just for certainty. In, in my proposal, those would be exclusive to a single operator or or whoever they sublicense to. Um, I think with the FAA and NASA's plans, they they anticipate kind of fixed routes that would be shared dynamically uh, via database. 
I, I think fixed routes will happen. Um, you know, in, in the area, it's, it's a much, I mean, weather, weather and, and things aside, it's a much simpler environment than on roads where you have to predict what other drivers are going to do or what pedestrians are going to do and, and, and um, construction and road changes and police. And in the air, you just don't have any of that complexity. And um, in a, there are some drone operators. You, you, you may be familiar with them, but in, in um, Rwanda, there's a fixed, fixed wing drone company that mm-hmm. does uh, blood deliveries. And, and last last I, I read, they, they were doing 20% of all blood deliveries to hospitals in, in Rwanda. And and they, they have fixed routes. I mean, they, they have you know congestion-free routes. And and the simplicity, you know, they, they say the logistics simplicity is is great, and that's why they can do it economically. In Iceland, they're they're doing uh, drone delivery in in urban areas. Again, it's it's fixed routes, and so I think fixed routes is uh is probably how how this will evolve. And and the and the question is, will will this be dynamically shared via UTM, or, or will it will it be on an exclusive basis, which which is what I would favor. Hmm. Well, and, and your perspective and point of view is welcome here. I mean, we, that's, we like to share ideas um, and different thoughts. And then so you brought up some points and whatnot that I hadn't thought about. Gene, do you have any closing comments on the subject, sir? No, I think it's going to come. Uh, there are some air taxis out there that are coming up with some phenomenal-looking aircraft, and I totally support that. Uh, but it is going to be a conundrum that's going to have to be addressed. And, you know, hey, uh, I appreciate the, the opening salvo, if you will, on how that could happen. So I'm good with it. <laughs> Me too. Um, I got a headache just sort of thinking about the logistics of it all. But, you know, that's a that's another story. So and before we uh, wrap this up, uh, Brent, I, I was uh, do you do you have a website address where people could go and read your whole paper? Yeah, uh, uh, you can you can visit mercatus.org or uh, you know Google uh, Brent Score Up and, and and my my profile should should pop up and you can find my paper there. My my Twitter handle is bscoreup and um, and I I uh, have a op-ed in the Wall Street Journal slated to be published tomorrow about air taxis and and it, it touches on a little bit of my paper, but it's more about the air taxi industry, um, but. I encourage your listeners to check that out. Well, that's some good food for thought. Like I said, I'm going to a uh, thing this afternoon in San Francisco, and we're going to have Uber and Airbus and uh, some some interesting food for thought for uh, some possible questions at uh, tonight's meeting. So uh, I appreciate that. And, again, your last name is spelled S-K-O-R-U-P, correct? Yep, that's it. Okay, so for folks that may want to Google you and uh, or find you on the Twitter, thank you, sir, for being on. Good luck. And, um, you know, like I said, maybe we'll be uh, talking in the future. I'd like to talk about uh, Spectrum possibly sometime in the future here. All right, terrific. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right. See everyone next time. See ya. Bye.